0: on with the episode
1: vibrant 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 vibrant. music teaching proven and practical tips strategies and ideas for music music teachers. teachers
0: you're listening to the vibrant music teaching podcast i'm nicola canton and in this episode we're talking about helping students who give up easily Today, Beautiful Teachers, we're joined by Carmen Carpenter, who is one of our staff writers and editors at Vibrant Music. If you have any students who give up at the first sign of challenge, you'll definitely want to listen in to today's chat. Welcome back to the show, Carmen. Thank you. Thanks for having me. Always a pleasure. So tell me, who are these students? How can we recognize them in in
1: our studios? Well, I think they're fairly easy to recognize because they tend to just oh, yeah, just complain or whine or or give up or shut down. They're usually fairly easy to spot.
0: Yes, absolutely. If I were to describe these students, I would say they're exemplified by the sound. (sighs) That's what I hear from them. Like you ask them to repeat a piece or you ask them like you correct a note, you do anything and it's just as if you've asked them to climb Mount Everest no matter what it is. So we definitely need to work with them to improve on that if they're going to learn to play the piano. It is not easy, as we know. But I think as teachers, we can often be too tough or too gentle. We can go one way or the other. So which do you think you tend towards, Carmen?
1: Oh boy, I tend to probably be more gentle. I'm a peace lover. I really don't like confrontation and difficulty and so yes i tend to be the teacher who just uh gives in that that has been me i'm working on it as i said i'm making adjustments because yeah i i kind of realize that i just am not great at helping them through it and i've done tons of reading like Oh man, I can't even I cannot think today. Making it stick. I think make it stick is the name of the book. Yes. Okay. And they talk so much about struggle. Like I feel like that's the theme of the book is struggle and how important that is to learning. And so when I read that, I thought, man, I am giving in way too soon. And struggle is good for them. It but it is hard to convince them of that. And it's hard to convince their parents of that, that struggle is good for them.
0: Yeah, well, I found that a lot of parents are aware, <laughs> <Me>. <laughs> at least with the students I had, they're aware that it's an issue, they want to work on it, they just find it really hard, as we teachers mm-hmm. often do. Right. So yeah, we're going to go through some adjustments. Before we get there, I'll just clarify something for people, because you mentioned the book Make It Stick, there or Making It Stick, I forget which one it is, but whichever mm-hmm. one it is, there are two books with that identical title. So did you mean the one by Chip Heath and Dan Heath, or the one by oh. Peter Brown?
1: You know, I've actually read both of those, too. Okay, me too. And, That's what
0: I was yeah.
1: clarifying. look, I love the heats, but um, no, it's the yeah. other one. The Peter, Peter Brown one. Yeah. That's what yeah. I mean regarding this issue. Yeah,
0: I'm pretty sure it's Peter C. Brown, if people want to look that okay. up. Okay. Okay, so you've nailed down seven adjustments we can make to try and help these students to maybe help us develop our skills at working with these students. So let's just go through them one by one, because I think each one could take us a long way. And as we go through them, if this is a big area of struggle for you, listener, then just take one of them, whichever one of these you want to start with, you can come back to this podcast or to the article as many times as you want, okay? (laughs) So let's start with number one. And you've written that we should be more empathetic. Why would this help? And what do you mean by it?
1: Well, I think showing the student that you do understand, because I think it's really easy for our students to look at us and think that because we play well now, that it was always easy for us. And I think that can be hard for them to imagine that you ever struggled too. Showing that empathy that you understand, even if you could come up with a situation in your own life where you struggled and share that with them, I think that helps them to go, oh, so you didn't just like pop out as this amazing musician. You had to work at it and it was hard for you. So I like to tell them a little story. I like to tell them about the time when I was about in fourth grade and my teacher told me I actually had to count the music and I was like, oh oh you have to count when you play oh (laughs) that usually helps them and we laugh and and so that that helps them to just even if it's just a clothing kind of thing it helps them to to begin to to feel that you understand them and we can work together through this yeah
0: absolutely i think that's so important and i think it goes along with something from another book which is How to Talk So Little Kids Will Listen. And in that book, they talk about acknowledging feelings as always coming first. And I think when you're dealing with any big feelings with little people, just acknowledging that you see that they have those feelings, that you have felt Mm -hmm. those things too, that it's not, you know, not glossing over things, not pretending it's not happening, not pretending it's not difficult, because it is difficult. You know, if you pretend it's not or try and make light of it which i think we all instinctively kind of want to do we want to say no no no, mm-hmm. no just just keep going like no no, no, it won't be that hard but if we do that we're saying to them it's not supposed to be that hard it's only that hard for you because that's what it ends up coming across as i think so mm-hmm. yeah being more empathetic right. talking to them about the times we've struggled is very useful all right so adjustment number two then is to break it down what are we breaking down
1: Breaking down the music into manageable chunks, you know, helping them to to understand you really don't have to start from the beginning and play all the way through to the end every single time and every single time you practice. And I do think for some kids, like sometimes I'll use post-it notes to cover up parts of the music because it's overwhelming for them. Like they see this even some of the littles, when they see that it's two pages, even though it's only eight measures, they kind of freak out a little. And so, helping them to to just go, okay, let's just take this small part, makes it less overwhelming. So you can break down, of course, the whole song into chunks. Another way, of course, is to just let's just focus on rhythm. Let's just count the rhythm right now. Let's just go through and say steps and skips and so that's kind of what i mean by breaking it down into chunks instead of just hey let's sight read this piece and see how you do which is something you know you do sometimes yeah but if it's a kid who is continually frustrated i would definitely try to reduce the amount of overwhelm
0: yeah breaking it down and making the steps as small as possible and mm-hmm. just when you think you've made it as small as you possibly can, you probably can make it a smaller step. Another way to look at this, I think, is what the question, which is, what would this look like if it were easy? Because I mm. think, actually, even though our instinct is to say, you just need to develop stick-to-itiveness. Often if we mm. make it easier by making the steps smaller and smaller and smaller, it means that they're able to get through it. And then Mm -hmm. gradually over time, they develop this ability to, you know, know that it's okay. it's a challenge, but I'm going to go through it step by step. Mm -hmm. So often we need to make it easier to make them able to deal with hard things in a way.
1: Right. I love that, though. um, What would this look like if it were easy? I think I'm going to write that down. That is a a good good question
0: to ask yourself. I mean, in life, not specific to you, Carmen, more specific to me. Just you have to keep asking yourself, hang on a second what would this look like if it were easy? Like, what am I overcomplicating here?
1: Oh, that's really good. Yeah, totally writing that down.
0: (laughs) Okay, adjustment number three then is a phrase we all say very often, I'm sure, which is slow down.
1: How can we slow these students down? My goodness, that is so difficult. Man, and I try really hard. Probably my best strategy for getting, like, a kid who won't slow down is to make them play with me. That's probably the best thing. It's they just want because so many of them do. I just rush through it. I think they have this strange thought process that if I do it fast, it'll be over with But they don't think about the fact that they're just making it harder for themselves. And so, yeah, so if they just absolutely cannot slow down on their own, Or if I put the metronome on and they still kind of rush right through it and don't feel the beat with the metronome, I will, like, force the issue and play with them. We're going to play together. You're going to stay with me. Absolutely.
0: I mean, that would be my go-to as well. Before that, getting to that, I would tend to first just demonstrate what slow looks like. That's something Mm, we've been talking about around here a lot recently because... You don't realize that uh, often they just can't even visualize or audiate what it is that you're talking about when you say play slowly. So more and more we're saying, okay, I want you to play slowly. Here's what slow looks like and play the start of the piece. And then often that'll be enough. If that's not enough, yes, play in unison with them. Mm -hmm. Just to clarify for people, when you say playing together, you're talking about playing the same thing as them, right? You're not talking about a joke.
1: Yes, indeed. I I would say yes. Play the exact same yeah. rhythm and melody that they are.
0: Okay. So adjustment number four then is progress over outcome. What do you mean by this?
1: Well, so I do think that we want to hear beautiful music. We want our students to have, you know, just play all the things all the time. But we do have to kind of remind ourselves and remind them. That continual forward progress is good, and it does mean something. It is valuable, even if you don't have the entire piece down and performance ready. And so, I like to just kind of point back to: remember when you first saw this piece, you thought it was so hard, and you didn't think you could do it. And look at you now! Look at how far you've come. You know, and they may still go, oh, but I still don't have the ending down. But wait, when you first started, you didn't have any of it down, and now you've got three quarters of it down. And so I think that continually pointing towards that forward progression can really help them. Oh, yeah, I used to think that was hard, and it's not hard anymore. Absolutely. And
0: I think that's where even having making sure that you're having some pieces that are kind of at an easier level built Mm -hmm. into the student's progress so that it's not always a push forward sometimes you get to just enjoy the view you know
1: right sometimes you get to just
0: experience like oh this is at the same level as i was six months ago really struggling with but now i can do it that's huge and i think it goes right along with adjustment number five which is praise effort this is a core thing we talk about Mm -hmm. when we think about growth mindset or developing grit so how can we praise effort and what's What are we replacing with this?
1: Well, so my unusual phrase is, wow, you must have really worked hard on that. That's what I like to say, because I think that, yeah, points towards the effort made rather than, oh, my gosh, that sounded amazing. And I think that it helps them to to connect that challenge, that struggle was really worth it. It paid off. But, yeah, it was work. It was hard. Uh, So, yeah, so praising that effort more than just, oh, my, that you played that beautifully. I mean, and I think it's I think you should. I think you should say, too, oh, wow, that was beautiful. Mm -hmm. But then I think you need to tackle on the you must have really been practicing that piece. So they understand it didn't just happen by magic.
0: Yeah, so they acknowledge their own effort that they put in. And I think trying to be specific when we can, often, you know, you must have worked really hard, might be all we can come up with in (laughs) some cases. But if you can add on a specific thing, like, oh, I can see that you worked really hard on the dynamics this week or whatever you were talking about the previous week. Mm -hmm. It shows that you see them, that you see the effort they're putting in. And (laughs) I'll just caveat that to say, make sure it isn't followed by, but... You forgot about the key signature.
1: (laughs) Right. It's a period.
0: (laughs) Yeah, it's it's a period and end of (laughs) sentence, full stop. Or Mm -hmm. if you can't do that, if you have to say something else, because it's just important that you work on the other thing, use Nick Ambrosino's magic phrase, which is, and now you're ready to. You did great work on the dynamics and now you're ready to work on the key signature not but you forgot the key signature so yeah just be careful with that one because as nick ambrosino says in his book which we've mentioned a lot of books but i'll just throw in another one which is um coffee with ray is his big book and he talks about this magic phrase because when we use the but it just deletes the first half of the sentence the student just doesn't hear it it's gone it's erased from the page but when we use and now you're ready to we're just building on it We've acknowledged that they really did do the work on the other thing. Okay, we've two left. So adjustment number six then, Carmen, build in breaks.
1: You definitely want to give a rest to a child that is really, really putting forth effort. And that one is good for your brain as well. I mean, like most people have probably heard of brain breaks. And it is good. You know, that's part of the process, too, is when you give a break and there's kind of a little bit of not necessarily forgetting but just like moving away from it and then coming back to it, and that makes the learning stick better too. And so planning for a break ahead of time is good, but also just in the moment, if you see that struggle happening, and most of us know our students well enough to know, oh boy, it's start, you know, it's starting, it's boiling under the surface. And then that's a really good time for a break before it gets to the crisis point i love the silly siestas from the from the library those are super fun or even if you don't have those on hand just stand up and do some jumping jacks or you know do a do some yoga poses or whatever you think that student needs in that moment and it only need only take a minute or two so it's really it's time well spent
0: yeah Absolutely, and you can do it in whatever style suits you. I think, as mm-hmm. you say, planning breaks is great, but if you haven't planned them, if you just need them in the moment, it's mm-hmm. okay to say, as I sometimes do or I encourage the teachers here to do, just wait, hang on, get up, do five jumping decks. Like, just take them by surprise. That'll give them a break in a whole other way from like, right. the monotony of, of what they expect the lesson to look like. So yeah. it doesn't always have to be musical. As much as possible, we use you know, clever music and movement and different things to increase the variety in our lessons. But sometimes you just need to tell a child to get up and do something. Yeah, definitely. Okay, number seven, then the last one is good
1: enough. Well, good enough might be different for everybody. You know, you may have to, yeah. So for everybody, that might be different. Good enough may be just notes and rhythm and they've had it. And you are done hearing that piece and do you want to, even though you'd love to have the musicianship, you'd love to have all of the expressive markings, you'd love to have all the technique in place, but you know that they're done, then I would definitely, yeah, stop at that point. But I don't usually do that too soon. I would not do it just because they're like, this is hard. I would definitely be like, you know, and usually, I mean, I have gotten to the point where when they tell me it's hard, I kind of go, and just kind of move on like, okay. But yeah, I would definitely give it several weeks into the piece before you say, okay, how do you feel about the piece? Do you feel like you've got the notes and rhythm down? Do you love this piece? Do you want to perform this piece? Mm-hmm. Because not everything has to be performance ready.
0: Yeah, and so I agree. Can,
1: yeah, just say, yeah, I think, or if there, you have a goal, like your method book pieces generally have like the one goal. And if you've met if that student has met that goal, even if they haven't done all the other pieces of the the puzzle, then you can feel good about moving on.
0: Yeah, absolutely. If the core goal of that piece was to learn a dotted rhythm and they've mastered mm-hmm. that bit of it, sometimes it's yeah. fine to move on, especially if it is kind of stagnating. And you can feel that yourself. Right. You can also keep notes like we keep notes here about. Students' progress throughout the week, we use this sheet that's inside the membership if anyone wants it. But on the progress tracking sheet, we track different areas, but we also just write all the pieces that they're currently studying in the first mm. column, just so that every time you fill out that sheet every week, we get to see okay, hang on, this one has been continuing on and on and on and on. And that's right. not good. Like it's stagnating. There's no point on this. And they're moving on on their other pieces. Not every piece has to be to that level,
1: you know. We don't want to just cling to it just because. <laughs> <laughs> Definitely. I absolutely agree with that and that you just have to let them struggle a bit. Do you think that's important? And then go, okay, yeah, you can play dotted quarter notes. Let's move on. Yep. Definitely.
0: Absolutely. Okay, well, thank you for this list, Carmen. I'm just going to summarize it for people so they have an overview of all seven. So we talked about being more empathetic, breaking it down into small steps, slowing students down forcibly if necessary, (laughs) progress over outcome, enjoying the progress that they've made instead of just always a polished performance, praising the effort they put in rather than just saying something is beautiful or good, the actual effort that they put into it, building in breaks into your lessons and letting go of things when they are good enough. So that's a fantastic list. Great place to start if we're trying to get better ourselves at helping students get comfortable with the struggle. Thank you for this, Carmen. All right. Thank you. We would love to hear about your experiences with students who give up quickly. Join the conversation in our Facebook group, which is called Vibrant Music Studio Teachers. I'll see you there. Vibrant Music Teaching Membership costs less than the price of one lesson each month. That is totally worth it for all of the courses, games, resources, downloadables, printables that you can get access to as a member, as well as the fabulous community support you'll find inside. Go to vmt.ninja and become part of the revolution.